podcast that investigates the experience of self, the events that have shaped our world, the people that we have become, by focusing on the person first. What's your earliest experience of someone who's good at life? I suppose it probably has to be your parents to a certain extent, like my, my parents, seeing how they to deal with situations. But then as you get older, you realise everyone's, uh, everyone's sort of got their own ways of dealing with things and some are not helpful and some are helpful and things. Your parents? Uh, I guess so, yeah. I feel bad now because they're probably going to listen to that. Um, that's a really tough one, actually. <laughs> Was there a person in your life, and it could have been like, you know, it could be a friend of the family. It could have been, you know, an uncle. Or it could have been a neighbour. Mm. You're like, God, oh, they have got it. They are always happy or they have seemed to really, nothing phases them. Or however you define success, really, because I'm handing you everything. I'm saying define success and then when did you see it? Dealing, sort of dealing with situations. I don't see that sort of, sort of integral to a picture of success. And, and, and the idea of success for me is something which, has evolved is still evolving but my sort of current feeling about what it is to be successful is vastly different to what it was um growing up and and there were some big moments of shifts um seeing you know as i got older and closer to age to um people that perhaps i looked up to and seeing their life and that it wasn't you know full of uh, endless striving or stress or working necessarily um, working to the detriment of their health and or even just having loads of money or, or, or the, the things that I thought perhaps growing up were symbols of success. Those things started to, um, I started to see a different side of success in the, in the people that I had around me. Um, and it, more of sort of peace of mind and a, a calm approach to life and a calm way of dealing with ups and downs and stresses. Yeah. How did those people originally seem? Did you seem... Well, I'm thinking... I mean, I'm thinking of a few people growing up that... I mean, one in particular is um, my singing teacher, who I studied with... uh, When I left the Royal Academy of Music, I studied with him for... I'm still studying now, really, but intensively for a few years out of college. And um, I suppose the... uh, the relationship you have with a, a teacher is always is quite a, an open one in that you have to, especially with singing, something which is so kind of physical, you do have to um, sort of become vulnerable to a certain yeah, extent. Yeah, completely hand over trust. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, and I remember a few things going on around that time which were kind of influencing big shifts in my life and where things were going and what I was passionate about and uh, or, or things that I was worrying and concerned about like what? well out of college there was a big feeling of as I was about to embark on a career in singing a big feeling of what why am I doing this yeah um, how long had you dedicated until that point so I started singing when I was 10 really before the age Gosh. where it's a choice That's, well i mean it was a choice but before the age where you kind of you were chosen you realize that <laughs> you realize that you are potentially choosing what you're going to do for the rest of your life yeah um and i was singing professionally around europe um as a boy in operas and uh and then that continued to university i went to um st john's college cambridge when they have a big they have a sort of renowned choir there and that was two hours um, a day, seven days a week, um, or six days a week, for four years singing. Um, so it was it was a, an integral sort of part of my life then. The shows were that it was so. It, or the practice. That, that's a choir, so it's it's in a chapel. Yeah. So you have an hour rehearsal and then an, and an hour service. Oh wow! Right. And uh, and and you have two services on the Sunday. So it's, it's seven services a week. I yeah. did that for four years. Uh, and I was there to sing. I was there to, 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 sp- to sort of start working towards this craft, which, you know, I wanted to get back onto the operatic stage, which is where I started as a boy, because that was, that was fun. Yeah. You know, it meant I could be, be out of school for two months and be in, like, south of France or whatever, singing 
uh, on the stage. Are you doing choir and solo, or, or so? Uh, well, as a boy, it was solo, and then at university, it was it was choir. Yeah, and and a little bit of solo stuff, and then I got a place at the Royal Academy of Music and uh, to study opera singing. And uh, when I got that place, I mean that that was what I'd been working towards for years and years, and had dictated all of my choices and my personal life as well to a certain extent. Mm. And it dictated sort of the fact that I went to that particular university to sing in that particular choir. And when I got the place at music college, it was, it was really bizarre because I didn't feel particularly excited at all. Actually, I felt sort of, I must say, I felt disappointed, I think. And I think that it was continuing. I, n- not that it was continuing, but I think it was a realisation probably that a lot of people have, a lot of people share this at some point in their life, where you work towards something really hard for decades or whatever, and then you get it. You don't feel any different. And you feel exactly the same as before you got there. So yeah. I think it was that. And it was also it was a, it was a, a realisation along the similar lines that by getting that place, I was continuing this I was prolonging this period of development in quotes and and sort of striving to be better and improving and just basically more and more training so I was I was basically there was a carrot on the stick for all those years and then when I got that place the carrot moved another 10 years <laughs> 10 years ahead yeah yeah so it's like well I've just moved the carrot uh, you know yeah. I can't imagine that that'll be a famous quote of mine, but um. <laughs> <laughs> that's really interesting. I'm gonna I'm gonna ask a real direct question: Is guilt tied up in those recalibrations of success? Do you feel a guilt? Yeah, yeah. I think that that's sort of. I think that is really at the crux of it, and it's it's guilt for a lot of things. It's guilt for the time that you've spent the choices that you'd made, I mean, it, it's, it's, a, it's a whole kind of worms. And, and, it, and in some ways, it was annoying at the time. I remember I was torn about it because I wished that I hadn't started thinking along those lines, but it was too late. I was over the, you know, I'd yeah. started the question was, questioning myself, yeah. my, you know, what I was doing. Yeah. And that was really difficult and really painful because in a way it was so much simpler to just go back and carry on you go back a few months or whatever and just carry on on this goal, you know, just to be a singer. But, of course, seven or eight years down the line um, from that moment, which I am now, yeah, I am so grateful that I started asking that question of myself. And I, 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 I always do it now. Yeah. You know, I, I, I never try and get into a position where I'm just carrying on with something for the sake of it. I'm, I'm always asking myself does this serve me do i enjoy this am i is this useful for anyone you know all of these questions i'm constantly asking myself uh, and that's led to lots of twists and turns in the last sort of six or seven years yeah since um since i started kind of looking a little bit more laterally i suppose um the people around you and this still happens now if i introduce you so you've talked to a few of my um, um, like uh, t- you know, talks that we put on, and as soon as you say your history, people like go, "Okay, we're dealing with a professional. <laughs> we're dealing with somebody who's had purpose, success, and has achieved things that very few people get to achieve." You know, a specialist in their area. And I think when you talk about choirs and um, music, is so you know. I think we talk about something like um, choirs or you talk about um, operas and things like that. It is clouded in a sense of intelligence and otherworldliness. It's not everyone can go. Not everyone can seem to understand it, right? And not everyone feels like they're a part of it, even though it should be like that. But it doesn't, you know. And it's like you, we've talked before about it being a dying kind of medium that people aren't, fresh people aren't coming into it. It's not, Mm. you know. So it's 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 very there's a reverence around it of, yeah. you know, and a lot of unknowing around it. So my question is, <laughs> you're obviously calibrating, um, you're questioning what you want to do with your life, but you've been on those rails already. 
Yeah. And do you look back on the people who went, who encouraged you and said, yeah, you should do this. This is a really great thing. And think there was some amazing things I got from this. Like it got me hit to this stage of questioning. Whereas if I'd done F all with my life and just changed it every year, and yeah. God knows I know people like that who wanted to be a writer, an actor, a musician, you know, they never succeeded in any of them. Yeah. Would you almost like not, if you could go back and change it or you look back and think it's on the structure that I now stand to question it and without it in a way, you might, do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I completely, uh, yeah, I, I know exactly what you mean. I haven't really asked a proper question, but. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, yeah. So I, I do think about this quite a lot because I, now, now I have um, a job at English National Opera in the chorus. So mm. I'm singing on, on one of the biggest operatic stages in the UK every night and as a result of that it's it's very normal to be in that environment there's two and a half thousand audience sometimes there's a little sort of solo line here and there but it's very sort of like I'm not stressed or nervous in any way and I quite often when I'm standing there dressed as a pirate um, <laughs> I saw your photo two, on Instagram the other day. Yeah, in front of two and a half thousand people I sometimes think to myself how have I got here uh but I'm also glad because to get, and there's something I've realised since, to get to that level in any profession, I think, or, or in any pursuit, you have to put a disproportionate amount of your life and time mm. into that craft. And I did that in the time before I, um, I realised how precious time was. And, and also I did it kind of not thinking, just mindlessly going through that. And I, I don't think I would have the patience to do that now. But I'm glad that I have that skill. Yeah. Because I've learned lots of things about learning itself in, in, yeah. in learning that particularly niche skill. Yeah. I also enjoy singing. Um, I enjoy the feeling of it. I enjoy singing with other people mm. and singing harmonies with other people and singing sort of full volume. Just from a kind of kinesthetic Thing. it's very satisfying to do yeah uh, and i'm at a level now where or i have a, i'm in a position now where i can do that uh, so i enjoy all those sides of it but i don't really quite often go i don't i mean i don't go to the opera um I, i'm i'm in it for performing that that's what i take from it and uh, and i don't even like all operas it's just you know there are just but there are some moments i think all of the kind of most lots of the most sort of powerful moments in my life have been punctuated by music that I was performing or listening to, uh, or a part of. Um, so when you're surrounded with the 40 opera singers singing full pelt and 40 orchestral members right underneath you going, going for it all together with two and a half thousand people silently sitting there watching. Yeah. There's nothing, well, that's just, that's such a powerful thing. And I'm so glad that I went down that path to be able to enjoy that benefit now. Yeah. But if I knew then what I knew now when I started that journey, I don't know, I don't know whether I'd have the patience to, to do that. Yeah, yeah. Also, you've been there. The reason I think, when I learned about your background, so I, I came about you through Jamie. Jamie Windsor, yeah. Jamie Windsor from a photography angle. Mm-hmm. And then you showed him how to, interview people on the street for a, a experimental episode, I guess. Yeah. And then I just rinsed all of your streets of London videos. Yeah. And then only when going to your homepage, did I read your background. Mm. And then we spoke shortly after that. And I was like, and the more I've got to know you, the more interested I am in that journey you've been on. Hence, hopefully <laughs> while we want to talk about it today. But, um, I think um, you've witnessed it. You've been there and you've, you've been firsthand from 10 all the way through. So I kind of want to know, because you've grafted, I think. I think the whole key thing is it's easy to duck out of these things. It's easy to kind of sample it and go, nah, it's not for me, or I like this better, but I don't like that. And mm. you've, you've stuck with the entire thing the mm. whole way through. And I trust your judgment. I think that's, that's a great thing about committing yourself for so long to something is it's like, well, this guy knows what it takes to, you know, to take a, to not take the easy road, you know what I mean? And, yeah. and I think, so I, I, I think, I, I don't know, I kind of answer my own question, but I think kind of it has contributed to you as a character. I also yeah. wonder how it's contributed to you, the, the types of people you have been working with in a choir, such 
you know, specific types of people as well, right? Such unique characters. Yeah. And you've been with them from a very young age. Yeah. I imagine you've worked with people when you were 10 who were in their 60s or whatever, or mm-hmm. and then even now, right? Is that? Do you think that's influenced your character and personality to work with all those people? Yeah, I mean, the, the, the I mean, I, I suppose I can't really talk for the arts in general, but the classical music world, which is the one that I have had a particular insight into, is full of very peculiar people um but I, maybe it's by the nature of what i was saying before that to be at the top of that in in any of those you know as an instrumentalist or a singer or whatever you have to really really dedicate your life to it and and as i found growing up that is to the detriment of living other parts of your life that that perhaps are a bit more normal in quotes you know like going out and relationships and um what do you think you missed out on i mean looking back at the sort of uh social things i might have missed out on uh, that's okay now because i don't even know those people anymore but uh, <laughs> but there was a lot of neuroses and stress and maybe that that's in my nature and i would have found that anyway maybe cause, also because it's a physical thing um you have to be you're very finely sort of in tune with your voice and you're very dependent on it to do what you have to do. So um, if you get ill, that's a big issue. So I was very neurotic about it growing up and I was neurotic about things affecting my voice. Um, You know, like... uh, Your hygiene fan. (laughs) Hygiene, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I was a bit of a clean... I was a clean freak, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I made my, when I was, I remember when I was 10, I was singing that thing. I started this washing my hands thing to the point where my hands were like cracked and bleeding. So wow. it was neuroses perhaps to that extent, but maybe that would have manifested itself anyway, uh, somehow. But, uh, you know, I didn't smoke, I've never smoked a cigarette in my life and I'm not saying I particularly missed out on anything. But I remember <laughs> th- things at the time, the reason I didn't do it was because I was worried about one sort of toke on a cigarette, r- like ruining my voice forever. So it was, it came from that angle. And I kind of wish I'd just been a bit more relaxed about like growing up and going through the things that, yeah. Um, and not, I didn't, I didn't have a particularly unusual childhood. I didn't, I didn't think I particularly missed out on much, but yeah, but there was a lot of neuroses there. Yeah. Um, but also what, what, what I was saying about the kind of people that I've been surrounded with, I've always been surrounded by, so wh- wherever I have been in the profession of singing, of opera, opera singing I've always been the youngest right um so whether it was a child in an opera there's all adults around now I'm the youngest by a good leap in in the chorus at English National Opera for example and uh that's funny I didn't admit have that in my head but that's still the case now then yeah yeah I'm, for some reason I still um, I'm just always the youngest so I'm always around older people especially more recently where I've, you know, I've been working professionally as an adult in, in the industry and, and seeing some of the madness around me through <laughs> people that are, should know better. You know, they're a lot yeah. older. Yeah. They're, they've got a lot more life experience. Yeah. I, I'm not saying any of my particular colleagues necessarily, but, uh, you know, just yeah. people in, in the business. In the business, yeah. And, uh, Is so- that because they've got the permission? They're so, such a specialist. I see this a little bit in my world. If somebody's on two grand a day because they know gloss, some like ancient program, they can just do what they like. It's like, we don't have a choice. There's the only person who can fulfill this role. Yeah. And does that kind of, do you think that level of, and maybe this is anyone who's um, a specialist in their field, especially in the, in um, the media or whatever, people don't want to piss them off. So they don't challenge them as much. And they're used to saying something and then, just not being challenged, I guess. I, I think. I think what it is is that um, when you've invested so much of your life in something, there's probably um, an exponential amount of self worth that can that could grow out of that. You know, a feeling of value, personal value. Yeah. Because of rarity. Yeah. Or you feel like, well, I've um, I've put so much work into this. I should have. I should be treated like this, and I should have. The cheese I want. Like this, yeah. But, you know, talking about opera, for example, it is a shrinking industry. From yeah. what I can see, it's a dying industry. 
So people are, are panicking everywhere. And it probably happens in all other industries as well, as it starts yeah. to regress, yeah. regress. And the, the perceived value of the craft in, in, in that area is yeah. disappearing. Yeah. So these people that perhaps had 20 years ago had a much sort of more, more of a feeling of value within the, yeah. the culture yeah. in, in our country or away. in the world, that's, it's draining away and yeah. that's difficult. It's like it's like someone's someone was your friend, yeah. and they they someone new comes in the school or whatever, yeah, yeah, and uh, the they cool become kids. their kid, their friends. So you know, yeah, I think it's a bit of that. It's interesting, isn't it? Yeah, it's funny. Yeah, you you seem really interested in other people, yeah. really interested in other people, and has that always been? You always been like that? No, I don't. No, I don't think so. I, I was really no, I wasn't really shy. I was a bit shy uh, growing up, and uh, a little bit perhaps, yeah, sort of not not excessively shy, but but I was more. I was I actually what, what it is. I was really kind of self absorbed with my career life. Yeah. So well, that was the most important thing for me growing up. Did they um, give you confidence then? Did that give that that? Feels like you had something going on. Like a lot of ten-year-olds don't have much going on. Do you know what I mean? Um, or even twelve, thirteen-year-olds. It's like they're like they they literally a carbon copy of anything they see that day. And now I'm into this. Now I'm into that. Whereas you have suddenly got these steady, steady, progressive arrow running the middle of you, and people are, oh no, he can't do this because he's got commitments. He's got training. Mm. Do you know what I mean? I don't. Yeah, maybe. I think it's more perhaps the virtue of what it is, which is performing, which gave, which gave me that confidence. Because oh, okay. you're, you're always putting yourself in uncomfortable situations yeah. repeatedly. Yeah. Um, and if it goes right enough, then you, that, you start to feel a bit better. Yeah. Yeah, the, com- the confidence sort of to an interest in other people came later on. And that, that came. The reason I, I do Streets of London really came out of the questions I started to ask myself yeah. when I left music college. And I couldn't answer them. Things, fundamental questions like, why do you do what you do? Yeah. Why are you happy? You know, and you start to think like, well, when was I most happy growing totally, up? Yeah, and then yeah. what have I lost since then? Or what was I doing then? All these kind of questions. And I started to ask everyone around me these questions, indirectly or directly. Yeah, bring it up. Just to bring it up. And, you know, asking my friends and my family and and then I thought I kind of got the uh I got the sort of bug for asking just like seeing what came out of that and so I so that was where it came from it was it was a it it was a desire to kind of get some more insights into those some of those questions and and it still is as well like I'm, I'm still fascinated in the different answers I get, even though I know I'm not necessarily getting closer to an answer, yeah, yeah, a definitive answer, yeah, on on what is success or happiness or what, you know. I hang out with you when you did you recorded Streets of London once, and I watched what you were doing, and I was I was thinking to myself, why is he doing it? And I've done. <laughs> I, st- <laughs> I saw that in your face. <laughs> <laughs> why is he doing this? Um, and then I did. I've done my, the first series of our podcast, and I think. What's implicit when you and I ask the question, "Are you happy?" is, "Should I be happy?" Yeah, potentially. I'd never, I hadn't really thought of it like that. Yeah, but maybe. I, I I'd need to, I'd need to to think about that. Have a, a think about it. Yeah, <laughs> I, I wonder if that's the catharsis that I feel because I go into a state of like you know unthinking when I'm in these interviews. Yeah, I have to you know think in a way of like the question I want to know, but it's very. Um, I think, and you're like this when you interview people on the street, you're just very in the moment, you're not prescriptive. You wouldn't take like a hard turn because you knew in your script you had to go there. You just, you just follow the little I've rabbit warren. i tried that. Uh, you know, it doesn't work. It doesn't, no. no you get I, so much. Yeah. I've tried to steer them and people just close off because you're, you're taking yeah. them out of their, something they're not interested in or, or whatever, yeah. you know. Yeah. Some of these questions that I'm asking them and some of the kind of introspection that it's triggering in them is not a place where they usually go. Yeah. Or, you know, it's not something they may have thought about. Just like you, you asked me a question earlier about happiness and I'd never actually thought of it. And it, it kind of snaps you out of your day-to-day life because you're, 
you're thinking down a different avenue. Yeah. You know, also, I don't think I'd like to answer some of these questions I ask. Yeah. I probably I'd have to give it a go. Well, no, I was thinking about this on the train the other day. I was think I was coming home from having shot some interviews. Yeah. And I thought, if someone stopped me on the street and asked me those questions, <laughs> you're mad. I don't know if I would um, trust give them, them. Good. Yeah. Yeah. If I would, if I would, I don't know. Or or even actually, more honestly, I don't know. I don't know how honest I would be with yourself as well. Yeah. Yeah. That is perfect for my next question. Yeah. Do you find the internal narrative you have of Pablo's life and your reality you find yourself in, do you find them very different? Do you have, do you have cause, I guess, to question it and go, oh, that's a surprise. I didn't think that would happen to me. Mm, I think I'm more honest in that regard yeah. than I ever have been because I think yeah. that's what I'm trying to yeah. align. Yeah. Yeah, and I, that, that's where that was when I, I, um, I like, lost... I like I sort of dropped any kind of issues of confidence at some point because I realized that it's a choice and I don't even know if I can put this into words really I need to sort of wrap it up into a neat package uh, you don't. to explain it but just ramble yeah I think um <laughs> do do like a James Joyce <laughs> start talking yeah so what am I trying to say so I think there were definitely times in the past where where I there was a, there was a mismatch, uh, and there was like um, a lack of sort of confidence, a social confidence externally, or um, you know when it comes to the crunch, like you know meeting new people or talking to people or whatever, and and what I felt inside, and um, yeah, this kind of mismatch in, in confidence. I guess it's always easier to be more confident when you're sort of by yourself, imagining a situation, but then you put yourself in that situation, it's always yeah. harder than you think. Yeah. Same with talking to people in the street. You, yeah. you can, you can uh, intellectualise it or, or imagine it or whatever, but yeah, totally. to, to actually do it is, it is, if you haven't done it before, it will always be tough. Completely. Um, I can think of nothing more worthwhile for someone to do than to do that, like face a fear, stand in the street and try and approach strangers, like... Well, the rewards, like, every, like if you look anywhere, where if, you, if you take a risk in your life, yeah. usually the, the rewards are, outweigh the downsides of it. Yeah. So you have some momentary discomfort. Yeah. But even if the outcome of what you're trying to do is not as you expected, you have practiced overriding your fear. Yeah. Sort of machine. The, the impulse response. In your body. Yeah. And once you do that. Yeah. It's like turning, it's like turning around with your arms crossed to your inner self, whatever, and saying, "I'm not going to listen to you anymore." Yeah, and and I think, um, I think that's kind of what I was trying to say before was that um, I, once you've changed your relationship to a fearful to fear, yeah, and I do this with performing as well. And that you you've, you're standing in the wings before a show, and you feel that everything in your body is telling you to not walk out on the stage yeah and you have to override that because otherwise the music carries on you've missed your thing you never get hired again or you know so you have to override that and do it anyway and when you do that enough that fear gets less and less and less and uh what power you have yeah. then is to go on and command a stage yeah and captivate thousands of people or a small room of, you know, 10 people or whatever you're doing. Yeah. I'm just thinking of that, you know, one analogy of sort of being an opera singer, but it applies to yeah. every walk it, of life. Yeah, it totally does. You know, doing a presentation in a, in a office situation or, or t- talking to a stranger in the street yeah. or socialising at a party, any of these things. There should be like a classroom on fear. It should be like on the syllabus. Yeah, but, but I, like, I started to enjoy, but, I mean, I started, yeah, I started to enjoy putting myself in uncomfortable situations. Yeah. Whereas it like growing up, I was always, you, you always trying to run away from discomfort. Yeah. Like it's easier to sometimes sidestep it, stay in than go out yeah. and meet new people or whatever. Yeah. But once I kind of saw that every time you do that, you like, it's like Mario when he eats a mushroom and he goes, <laughs> and, he, and that's how I imagined it. <laughs> it's like every time you do that, you just, get a boost yeah and it becomes addictive yeah but uh, that's a really good 
it's got to be a really good addiction, hasn't it, to, to face these things? Mushrooms. Mushrooms. <laughs> Massive marriage. <laughs> yeah. yeah, well, kind of, yeah, I suppose so. Yeah. I mean, it, it's, it's like any extreme sport. It's putting yourself in ad- adrenaline-producing yeah. situations. And um, maybe, yeah, maybe then you start to get, get that, try and get that hit from more and more things if, if you're not... Free soloing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> if you're not... Um, uh, discipline with yourself yeah, but yeah. I think so much in life whether at, whether you look at it from a perspective of pursuing a compassion or career or if you look at it like socially ha- having friends having meaningful connections with people having loved ones and whatever and a functional family unit for example having the confidence to talk to people and and listen to people and hear yeah and and but actually listen yeah not sort of oh hi how are you or how are you today how are you doing yeah yeah. you know how are you you know what's going on in your life you know actually listen why should people care about other people i don't think there are any shoulds and and shouldn'ts really and i think i think one thing i've learned personally is is to sort of avoid any rules of shoulds and shouldn'ts and i i i try to not really have any principles <laughs> i mean i probably have some you know i probably have sort of some fundamental ones that are built into my you know like how to be polite and things like that but yeah. of course but um in looking for the answers for lots of these questions i realized that you need to stop asking them in order to to feel at peace so it's very interesting to ask to ask them and see that what comes out but for example, in the case of um, being happy, it's you know it's not reading self help books that that or whatever excessively that gives you happiness at some point. You just get addicted to to reading self help books. But it's it's just, you have to stop at some point. You have to stop looking and and decide. Well, I'm I'm here now. Do you know what I mean? I've arrived. Otherwise, you otherwise the 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 um you're just you're always practicing in your head not being where you want to be does that make sense it does i'm wondering is this a form of kind of like nihilism it feels like you if you care about nothing or like the albert camus the stranger type thing of like you can be like that you can treat people badly you treat people well neither really matters too much I mean, this is where, because, I mean, this is where, like, I've, my logic falls apart because... I, I, you like to be treated nicely. Well, no, I mean, I don't really... <laughs> unless I'm in this kind of situation, trying sort of answering questions about it, I don't try and formulate a, a theory on things. No, so, you so, ask the um, but you do ask the questions on the street of London. Yes. And why do you care about the... Why do you do that? I like to interact with people. Just I like to kind of... I like when you're talking to someone like that and asking some of those questions, it's like the whole, that everything else vanishes. You're, you're very in the moment. Yes. And that's a really satisfying sort of place to be. You lose all your worries and they, they lose kind of all their worries in that moment. Do you need them to be honest with you as well? Yeah, but you can kind of tell if, if there's dishonesty, but not necessarily. I mean, I, I just want to see how they respond to the yeah. questions. I mean, because assuming, from what you said, said it almost if this person is trying to hide something and you see it as being obvious, that's just as good. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's just as, yeah, that's just as powerful, yeah. It's powerful, yeah. Yeah. Are you seeking to feel something from the interviews? I would imagine you edit it on a basis of emotional impact, whatever that emotion is. Like when you're seeing it, how you're experiencing it, you're like, I'm going to keep that in. That's a great moment there. Yeah, sometimes there are moments and you think, that's the, that's the ticket. <laughs> yeah. So if, if I'm like constructing a song, I'm assembling sounds yeah. in an order I find pleasing. Yeah. And there's obviously, there might be a journey on that. Typically with my music, it's not very good. There isn't a journey, but I'm, uh, the, the sounds are always you know, chosen because they're, you know, uh, they're my taste. Yeah. And when you're assembling these images and the words and the vibe, the incongruency mm. of, or the congruency of somebody's words and face. Yeah. Your, you know, choosing is to your taste, right? I suppose so, yeah, but probably subconsciously. I try, I try not to think about it too much. I, I always look at it. I, mean, I was editing yesterday, and um, 
sometimes you get a bit stuck. Yeah. Uh, or or sometimes like I've got I've got six six interviews or something in the can. I'm trying to put together, and I I think I need a new person. Like I I can't. It's not complete with the people I've got. Yeah. You know, I would only use two or three yeah. interviews in in an episode, but there's not enough variation somehow. So so but uh, but I come to that conclusion by spending hours. It's like a puzzle. Yeah. But there is no like particular answer. Um, yeah. It's only when you abandon it and it's yeah. done. It's like okay. Yeah, and then it's it much kind of as makes I'm sense. Do. Yeah, yeah, but also as you get towards the end of it, you start to feel like yes, this is this is falling I'll, into place. It does feel like it's coming together. Yeah, definitely, yeah. And 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 I'm always surprised at how the uh, I guess the word is synergy. I don't know, but the synergy of the of the the material that I have for each episode, it, yeah. everything just sometimes it like or synchronicity. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sometimes. It, they're just topics. There's threads. Yeah, there's threads that just emerge with different yeah. interviews on different days. Yeah. Sometimes different weeks. And and little cutscenes I've shot that just perfectly yeah. match up. And sometimes I'm I'm sitting there at my laptop chuckling to myself. And I think like, <laughs> how has this happened? That um, like, you know, I I had an interview with I mean, this is perhaps not a good particularly good example. That they're a bit slightly more sort of profound ones perhaps but like i interviewed this woman who was um had a hawk that was uh that she was hired to go to trafalgar square and it was pest control so it was killing yeah. the pigeons and uh had a chat with her and uh and the, the hawk was called uh, percy and uh and that week i'd shot some particularly what i found particularly entertaining snippets of pigeons uh and one in particular who um <laughs> I mean, <laughs> you kind of have to see it to know what I'm talking about, but it's just like, it just fit perfectly. And it was like the next clip in my can of clips. Yeah. I was just like, oh, that's perfect. That's great. But then the other day I missed an amazing pigeon shot. I was, there was a dead pigeon next to a post box and yeah. I was trying to get a picture. and wasn't a video, sorry, for Streets of London. Yeah. And um, a street cleaner came along and got his shovel and swept it into the shovel and put it into the bin, this pigeon. Yeah. Which I thought I, I could. I knew when that happened. I missed it because he was kind of in the way. When that happened, I knew that uh, that at some point down, like months down the line, I would get that on my laptop if I had that clip, and I'd be like, "This is the perfect yes analogy for what this person's just said." I wish I'd got that. <laughs> so, um, oh man! So I missed that, but never mind. But yeah, I don't know how we got onto that. But but yeah, yeah. there's there's um, it always kind of comes together yeah um and i enjoy the editing as much as i do the interviewing as well yeah you said that the other day and it really rung a bell with me it's like this is everyone you're not in it for like the performance and the interview you love the, the finished product you love to because you're, you're there is a, there'll be a narrative in there like you say whether it is and i think it should, probably should be unconscious it should be something that is quite visceral you're reacting to like yeah great because that's probably what you might hope you're audience might experience i guess at some point mm. well i think that the only kind of editorial um principles that i perhaps consciously stick try and stick to is that um i try and make them balanced so uh it's not too negative yeah or it's not just showing one perspective on something yeah i like to leave people the same as when they started watching the video but just having gone on a bit of a trip bit of a journey yeah um you know, so um, sometimes, you know, could be a couple of negative interviews or, or positive ones or whatever. And I just, so I'll break them up and mix them up a bit. Um, that always just feels like it's, um, it just feels a bit more, I guess, like, I don't want to look like, I don't want it to look like I'm trying to be profound or or anything like that with, with this series. It, yeah. I mean, it's not about me anyway. It's what these people say, but... but... I, I think you've done that really well. You've removed yourself as being somebody who's, you know, going, oh, this is what, you know... I think you, it, the beauty is is the in the non-narrative. It doesn't feel like I'm being sold to yeah. at all. It feels like one of the only things I, I can think of. I can't think of literally anything. Even document, documentaries might come close to it, but you know how doc, 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 documentaries are constructed, there is always an arc to an hour and a half, right? They, yeah. You know they have to do that because they have a, a method of keeping the audience engaged. Mm. Whereas yours, and I mean this with absolute sincerity and compliment, you know, compliments, but you didn't seem to care too much about that. You're there to sequence, 
who you saw, you know, on that week or it, it's, yeah. the maximum time is between shots is going to be a week, right? It's, uh, no, not always. I mean, depends, depends from... on sort of what other stuff I have going on. I mean, I, I quite often, because I obviously have the singing job as well. Yeah. Um, I quite often film in the gaps in the day. Yeah. Um, so sometimes I'll have a three hour rehearsal in the morning in at Col- the Coliseum in London. And then I'll have six hours off and then a show in the evening. Yeah. So I'll just take my camera and go into town and use that time to, yeah. well, I'm in town anyway, to interview but so so, but then I don't always have those gaps, and so depending on how busy I am in other parts of my life, I, I will. Um, and I don't live in London anymore as well, which which um, means I have to be more yeah. methodical in how, you know making time to making film. Making the time, yeah. Yeah. So, but uh, yeah, sometimes it's longer. Sometimes uh, you know, and you'll yeah. see in an episode. Sometimes people are wearing coats in the background, and then <laughs> then they're wearing the sweaters. <laughs> I mean, not that much of a span. No, no, no. Um, yeah, not, not not a huge amount of span, but sometimes like a month or two yeah. between between interviews. Do you ever get worried like you're going to seek out, you're going to go back to the um, back to work, and you've got maybe an hour and a half, two hours? Do you ever worried you're going to come back sadder than you left? Sadder than I left? No, because I'm always if I've got a good interview, that one that I know I can use, yeah. I'm happy. I'm, I'm so I'm, you're at the base level. Okay, nothing's new, or things are good. You never feel any lower. Just in my life generally. No, when you come back from when work. Come back, You're throwing no, yourself I, to the lions by going to talk to You know, to I get really frustrated, especially if I've made a journey into town <laughs> and I haven't... Sometimes like, I just don't pluck up the courage. or I don't know what it is because it's not a courage thing, but it's like sometimes I just... Just miss the moment. I just don't talk to it's people. It's the pigeon in the bin. And, yeah. But, 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 but with interviews as well, like, I could stop anyone in the street, but sometimes I walk around and I think, I'm, I'm just not feeling maybe you're not always in the mood to talk to a stranger perhaps and you do have to go go with your moods a little bit you can't just force yourself sometimes to yeah because you, you give a nice beaming, beaming smile yeah. and i'm like oh go on when i was with yeah. you i was like no one's gonna turn this fella down yeah, yeah he's yeah. a lovely lad it's <laughs> 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 not avuncular but you know it's um like i think you get a good reaction from the majority of people right? yeah but then i suppose okay, if you have to plaster it on maybe yeah you're yeah gonna... and and I always find if you, if it feels forced, or any, I, it's getting to the point now where, I mean, I've realised now that if I if I know I'm in one of those moods where, like, I feel fine, but I just I don't have the drive to have an in depth conversation with a new with, with a new stranger. Yeah. Then I just walk up my losses and go home because yeah. if you force it, yeah, you know, yeah, it's like seeing a colleague you don't want to you, you don't want to have a chat to no. or something you know and <laughs> but you're fine with your colleagues <laughs> yeah <laughs> just for the record <laughs> um, do you think also this the pursuit of this is reconciliation of your spiritual life and your your day-to-day life feels like from, from a distance you're trying to you're bringing more meaning and you're bringing the the pablo that questions things and is you know open and honest is now being pushed into your day-to-day life as well so. yeah i'm not i'm not entirely sure sort of how to answer that really i think when i say spiritual life it's a bit of a funny one people have different versions of that i think maybe i, I mean that the type of life that you think is the most meaningful that you can have hmm i mean that's a big question kind of worms in itself really sort of a meaningful life this, that, that was where I was with music or yeah. singing anyway yeah or, you know classical singing or whatever it was such a and I do enjoy it you know I enjoy elements of that as a job as a profession but um this whole question of like what's the point um what's the point of uh, reinterpreting 300 year old music or what's the point of, or or what's even the point of? I mean, this came out of that the, the, these questions I was asking myself. But what's even the point? You could argue of indulging in an emotion enough to to write a piece of music about it, and giving perhaps an unhelpful or an unhealthy re- response to an emotion, giving it a sol- solid, completely truth, or yeah. not truth, but a solid. Yeah. Giving it some value—I yeah. don't know what the word is—but validity. Yeah, some validity yeah. Yeah, by yeah. by by turning it into a work. Yeah, that then people can jump into those emotions themselves. Yeah, yeah. I, every time you hear in like a, a a pop song, I basically he beats me up, but I love that guy. Yeah, it's yeah. like 
No. But, but I mean, like, <laughs> any, I mean, it's a tricky one because I love music. You know, I listen to music all the time. And it's, it's like, they're amazing. Like, in a way, I look at it now, it's like a song is like an amazing little trip. Yeah. But if you get too sucked in to these songs, it sounds silly, like saying it out loud, but I guess what I'm trying to say <laughs> no, is... No, I like, know exactly what you mean. Um, like, but maybe people don't think about it that much. But like, I mean, so much love song, so many love songs are about dealing with unrequited love, which is like a very difficult emotion to kind of... But, but, or a difficult sort of thing, but, but so many song lyrics, if you look at almost any song lyric, it's kind of dealing with a difficult emotion in, in an unhealthy way. <laughs> you know, it's, it's creating an, uh, some tension and anxiety. It's excusing that, going, yeah, yeah, we all get it, keep on doing it. Yeah. So, so I mean, I'm not saying I have any answers here, but this was just a, a feeling that I started to get that if you... Let's the philosophy say, at the core is bullshit. Not necessarily bullshit, but it's like maybe not helpful, you know. <laughs> but, but, but potentially, yeah. Like, and that's, it's difficult because I love I love music and I love all, yeah. kind, all kinds of music. But, but um, perhaps somewhere between an entre- is, well, LinkedIn and a Christian camp. <laughs> Positive messages. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I guess what it is is that. Um, I started to feel like, um, well, yeah, sort of when I was asking myself these questions of, you know, why, why do we do this? Why do we do that? I started to try and imagine um, a life and just imagine what it was like, a life where there are no external influences. So there's no, you don't learn um, a, a code, a moral code, uh, I'm not saying that this is a good thing. I'm just trying to imagine it as a kind of thought exercise uh, where there's no kind of cultural definitions of of this and that. And um, We're just germs. <laughs> <laughs> We're yeah. just microbiotics. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, yeah, so, so, you know, remove... What were we just talking about before this? this, this <laughs> no, I like this Isaac Asimov <laughs> thing you've got idea for a book you have, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. It sounds like somewhere between Black Mirror and yeah, Threads. I can't remember how we got onto here, but it felt right at the time. Uh, but now I'm confused. <laughs> I don't. I think your your philosophy earlier was quite beautiful. I, I, I don't. I haven't crystallised it, but it's almost like it's fine to ask questions. It's fine to not worry about the answers. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. We were talking about songs. Yeah, that reminded me. Yeah. <sighs> Surely it's a confluence though of that very specific type of singing and the narrative and the, you know, that goes with it, the people, the, the engagement and the, the audience that turn up, mm. you know, it's, it's so, I couldn't do anything more kind of esoteric. Yeah. I mean, it, it's almost like a kind of an anti-pursuit. <laughs> I think perhaps. Yeah. What do you mean? In that it's like, it's not, you know, I feel like spending your whole life, chasing a carrot on a stick yeah. or career and this, you know, the idea of a career <laughs> yeah. um, is one that now feels empty to me. Whereas it like the, a word, the word. Yeah. And just the idea of the illustration of, of a career, of the fact that you're a, on a journey, the conclusion I came to when I was sort of in my sort of periods of introspection was that. Well, you're in that, aren't you right now? Oh, I suppose I still am. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, certainly I'm in this moment, but yeah. <laughs> um, I try not to be, generally my days are like, you a laugh <laughs> the, the, the conclusion really is that i have to enjoy every day yeah and enjoy the little things every yeah. day yeah it, what i did was i spent 10 years saying i'm going to enjoy this in 10 years that was what i was thinking and, and I, I wonder whether lots of people think that with I their careers they, they or completely everyone, do they think it's coming yeah um, maybe that should be the book it's not coming yeah but then you get to the weekend for example <laughs> you know you, you look forward to the weekend during the week and then you get to the weekend and, and you're tired and, and, oh, you're, and you're still alive. with yourself exactly and um, <laughs> who brought this guy yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> who invited him <laughs> so you know so uh, I, so I um, 
Yeah, I lost faith in that idea of like a, a career on a journey, a life journey. Yeah. And uh, and I, I readdressed the the balance, the balance for myself. Yeah. And um so so yeah, just like trying to um enjoy every day and, and have these moments of of presence and that's what I get in these interviews. Completely. Um but Completely. I, but I I feel like t- I'm, I, I'm coming around again full circle. So I'm getting to where, where I, I got lost about five minutes ago. Um, <laughs> but um, yeah, but, but what I enjoy is, is, is exploring other people's response to um, these questions. I, because, I, you know, I, I feel like there isn't necessarily an answer to these questions of... of these global questions about, about how we live our lives and, and why we do what we do. There isn't always an, an answer, a really honest answer that, that deep down we believe, or I believe anyway, but I enjoy exploring yeah. people's motivations for, for what they do. Uh, and you give them permission in that moment to say, what do you think the answer might be? Even if it's like a little gopher coming up for air, yeah. and for the moment they're like, oh, I'm on a golf course. And then they're back down to the earth, yeah. pursuing whatever they're pursuing, and not really connected. <laughs> is that what they eat? I don't, know, right? I don't even know what a gopher is. <laughs> it's a little cat. Oh, okay, right. I don't know, I don't know what that. <laughs> um, that that's that's the good thing. I, I wonder um, if you looked at the. It also feels to me like if you're looking at the evidence, like you. T- I, I don't want to over you know do your career, but you're going to turn up to most dinner parties, and you're going to be interesting, right? And you looked at the evidence and went, yeah, I believed in this kind of too. And there is a visceral part of being on stage, which I absolutely completely love. But the entire context and the moniker of what I do, that's not enough. I yeah, want, you I remember wanna... also that, I mean, I was around pretty much only for that time, people that did the same thing. Mm. So it wasn't extraordinary. It's not an extraordinary thing for, for my social circle at the time. Yeah, yeah. Um, in fact... To be honest, singing in a chorus, bizarrely, because there's like some actual job security and and you're not sort of having to do temping work to pay for your life. Yeah. Uh, but but singing in a chorus, bizarrely, is um, is kind of looked down upon in the profession. And What's the ultimate? So, like a solo lead? Be, being the one at the front. Yeah. <laughs> um, but... Uh, it's mad because I'm on the same stage as those people now. They are sweating and stressed um, and like pr- properly stressed and, you know, haven't seen their loved yeah. ones. They might be in a different country from their home. Um, they're, and at the end of the night, we're all standing there getting the same applause from the same audience. Yeah. But I've not been stressed and, and I've done something within my me, my capabilities. Yeah that I'm comfortable with. I've had, I've had fun. Yeah. So if you look at, if you start to look at things from a day-to-day perspective. Yeah, like the, an evidence-based perspective yeah. of what happened today. Yeah. If and you, forget what someone else t- thinks think you might little, feel like. Yeah. How do you feel? Yeah, yeah. So, so these are realisations I made. It's kind of, because I wanted to be a soloist for a long time. Yeah. And uh, it's tough. Yeah. It's really tough, especially in a shrinking industry because there's more and more people coming out of college yeah and fewer and fewer solo jobs but also it's it's such an extreme way of life where you put everything on hold yeah um but if you look at it in a a day-to-day if you you just kind of someone off the street walks in and and says what's happening in this situation okay it's the same performance (laughs) you know it's the same applause at the end yeah and then as soon as the curtain goes down the applause has stopped. People are going home. Like yeah. The audience are going home. And uh, one person is completely spent. You know, the soloist, like, dripping with sweat, probably stressing about how that went and the next show and yeah. whether whether this cold that's starting to come, you know, into his yeah. voice is going to... Washing their hands. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, you know what I mean? Yeah. But, um, but I, I'm just... But, you know, everyone's just leaving the theatre. It's just like, in that moment... Yeah. One person is destroyed. <laughs> I, I mean, I really hope they love what they're doing. Yeah, if they, I, 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 if they felt that feeling, though, but no, in all seriousness, yeah. that you did of all, oh, you know, that's yeah. got to be the worst of both worlds. But the right? thing is, like, I mean, and obviously, I'm generalising because there are yeah, people, yeah. people that cope with those situations completely differently. Yeah, of course. And there are some that will thrive on that. Yeah. 
uh, and I do sing some solo stuff as well. And I, I kind of dip my toes into that, yeah. into that degree of stress. Yeah. Uh, but on my, on my terms, you know, yeah. when I want to basically, but um, yeah, you do wonder sort of, I, I've got, I mean, I've got Why lots of friends yeah. who I, who I trained with who are solo singers and they hate it, Yeah, but they're, they're in too deep. So what, so what do you think if somebody is in a job, any job, and it could be in performing arts, it could be, you know, anywhere, what, what do you think you've learned about yourself that might help that situation? If they find that, you know, they're not matching up, these, these things aren't matching. Well, one of the things, I made a video, I mean, dealing with creative ruts is something which... I have a lot of experience with. And I, th- I think a lot of people probably in creative fields do where, you know, interest for things, it's probably natural, completely natural, the interest for things wax and wane. Yeah. It's another reason why I don't really consider my, I don't like to think of things like I am an opera singer or I am sure. a it's filmmaker an identity thing, isn't or it? I am a YouTuber yeah. or whatever, because the moment you put a label on like that, you, there's a lot of implied stress because if you lose interest for a couple of days or something else is, you know, and you I'm feel not like, a YouTuber. Yeah, yeah. And it suddenly like, it kind of like destabilizes your whole feeling of yourself. Yeah. Um, so like for, I know lots of out of work opera singers and they're like, how can I even call myself an opera singer Aww. now? Because I um, spend more time like inputting In data bus. in a temping job, <laughs> you know. <laughs> um but so I made a video on uh, <laughs> on how to get out of a creative rut. I made it on my YouTube channel a couple of years ago when I was when I was making that sort of video. So I, I engaged with some of these sort of techniques or tips that I, I felt like I'd, I'd had come up with for myself. But the, the main one that stuck with me, and and I really believe, I really th- I think about uh, it applies to a lot of situations, and I, I really strongly believe in this one is um, don't be afraid to give up. Yeah. Uh, because um, that can be one of the hardest things to, to do when you've invested years of your life, maybe tens of thousands of pounds or whatever, you've built a business or whatever you've done, however far you've got, if it's not right and you don't enjoy it, yeah. you, have to, you have to have the confidence to be able to give it up. I think that word "give it up" is implicit with weakness and failure, isn't it? And that's yeah. big, that's a big issue as well. Yeah, people will say, "Oh, you gave that up," or but it's you... fear. It's actually just fear that keeps you doing it. In and, fact, and the Americans guilt, like... made it a you know pejorative term, a quitter. Right? Yeah, 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 yeah. A quitter. Yeah. A changer. <laughs> I'm a changer. Yeah. Well, like, like the first question you said, or one of the first questions you said, it was about the guilt in in yeah in in change or in, in change thinking and about like it. There, there's all kinds of guilt there's guilt like i've wasted time i've wasted money i've wasted other people's money do you I've think wasted... you've wasted any time ever i mean i've wasted time yeah in my life but we all i have, mean but... have you wasted <laughs> have you wasted months and years on a on a pursuit and you think i don't that um... was stupid no i i don't, I don't think so because it, it all leads you to where where you are now yeah but but sometimes i do think i mean if the well, no, because the thing is, I, I, I like performing, so yeah. I can see, I, I definitely can see there's value in there. Let's, I, I do imagine a situation, like if I had, if I had spent my career, and this, this happens all the time, but if I spent my career um, developing a, a technology, like cathode ray tube technology or yeah, something, yeah. Uh, and then like by the time I retired, the Everyone's whole industry got OLED. is different. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like you I, surely you'd think, God, what, what a waste. Although it led to that, so but I mean, it served. And don't take this personally if you invented <laughs> cathode ray But but yeah, it did serve right. that. But no, I, I, that's a bad example. But do you, do you get what I'm trying to say? If, if you had invested your whole life in well, something, here's a great one. Who's the guy who who thought um, there was this thing called ether? They thought this thing called ether, didn't they? There was like this kind of thing in the air. That's what. Okay. And they said, this is what keeps things cold. Right. It's ether. And it's like, no, it's, <laughs> it's energy. Yeah. And that's something else, you know. And uh, and they like there was a whole branch of, well, science, I guess, yeah. that basically had a lot of good principles, but they just were filling in the blanks with the wrong thing. Yeah. I can't remember it, and this is really where I'm a lousy interviewer, but 
it was uh, it's hilarious. Like they were like they they got this one principle wrong, then they built the next twenty years on it. It was like yeah, no, it was all wrong. <laughs> <laughs> it was none of that stuff. Yeah, but you got some right results because yeah. you misinterpreted it, and it happened to be right and blah blah. blah. Yeah, yeah, something along those lines. But I think um, yeah, it feels like having all your eggs in one basket. If you just sort of if your life is your profession, so you've taken some eggs out of the basket, but you never emptied the basket out, did you? You still do the, the, the same job. Yeah. And you've been pursuing other ideas. It's on ideas. my terms now. Yeah. And, and it allows me, yeah, it allows me to enjoy the good parts of that, but focus on the other things I want to do. And that's where, like... You must be a nightmare in rehearsals. Right. Just coming back to my, some of my terms. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I would like us to do it like this. <laughs> Hablo. No, I'm not like that. No, I know. <laughs> no, I know. The funny thing, actually, about... Um, in that job is because it's all really strictly unionized. Yeah. Um, there, and there's a great sort of respect. There's a line that you cannot cross, you know, in, in many ways in that. And so rehearsals go to the second, <laughs> literally to the second. And that's lunch. But, but it will be to the extent where we will... <laughs> Well, I won't Not name, your immediate I won't, community, but I won't name any names. But we had industry. we had a big name doing a show with us recently. Oh yeah, and uh, and there, there was these two soloists, and they were doing a duet yeah. or rehearsing. Yeah, that we were, it was like set in like um like a Oktoberfest kind of situation. Okay, so we were all singing around <laughs> gonna like, it down. on the tables like with Stein. Oh and stuff. yeah, yeah, and we were singing. Um, singing this big number and there, there was this duet that kind of emerges out of this big chorus number and uh, and it kind of got to the kind of climbing phrase at the end where they're all singing the, the two solo are singing beautiful like harmony yeah and they're coming in to hug each other yeah yeah, yeah. And, you know the spotlight's coming on and uh, the stage manager uh, the stage manager goes and that's time and the, <laughs> the, the room rises and disperses and the two soloists were gobsmacked you're just looking around, like in the middle of the phrase, like there are words, like it just stops. And uh, so, I, yeah, I find that quite funny. That's amazing. All <laughs> rushing to the coffee machine. Yeah, yeah. That's my sandwich in the yeah, fridge. Yeah, yeah. But actually, oh in, a, in a bizarre way, um, that's quite, it's a very brutal way of working. But actually, in a bizarre way, that mentality has filtered into my life a little bit in that. Being, you have to do. I do think it's really helpful to to be good at and disciplined about compartmentalizing your time and your energy and yeah. your, your interest. Yeah, and uh, and don't let things just bleed into one another because you, you then you end up with just like a wash with unfinished ideas. Yeah, you know I, I really am a strong believer in yes. Um, you know when process. Yeah, get something delivered as much as you can. Like when you're at home, be at home properly yeah. with yeah. The people that are there. Your that, loved ones and brilliant advice. Yeah, and and when you're working, like be work smart, be efficient, yeah, yeah. Um, and and get it done, and and don't sort of bring your character. Like it, you know, if everyone it does happen, but if everyone brought their personality and character into a chorus rehearsal, yeah, for example, uh, in in that particular job that I do it would go so much slower. Yeah. But we have someone at the front that's like, right, we're doing this, we're doing this. There's no time for individuality. And sometimes those things are quite good. That, that, that kind of structure is quite good to work within. Yeah, it's efficient and rewarding. Yeah. And it compartmentalizes it, like you say. Yeah. You can be someone different elsewhere. Yeah. Your identity isn't as bound up as well, maybe. Exactly. Well, that's it. That's it. So I think it's that approach that yeah. allows, you, allows me to have, like, concurrent careers. Yeah. In... In completely different things, I'm doing opera singing, and when I'm doing that, I'm pr- I'm properly concentrating on that, yeah, because I have to, and and to do, I want to do a good job, and then filmmaking and and photography, but more, more so now filmmaking and streets of London, and I have to concentrate on that, yeah, and I like that, yeah, um, but but if I was like perhaps the old way of thinking that I had, and and maybe some people listening perhaps might recognise similar things in themselves. But if I was, you know, I am an opera singer, or I am a, I am a, a company manager, or yeah. or whatever, yeah. and define themselves by that, it would yeah. be so much harder to even entertain the idea of being interested in something else, completely, or pursuing a, a hobby or a passion, yeah. and seeing where that goes. 
it always makes me feel like there's only one one direction for that to go and it to be removed. Yeah. To burn out. You can only not be that now. Yeah. <laughs> so. But that that's having all your eggs in one basket. Yeah. I think. And I think it's a really scary place to be. Yeah. If you have if everything is invested in one thing in your life. Yeah. Or one job or one interest. Yeah. And your whole identity is wrapped up in that. Yeah. Because you are you cannot control the variables. You like the whole in my case the entire that's what I realized early on the entire opera industry could vanish underneath my feet. Yeah. And I and I could be going but 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 I've done all this work. I've done all this training. I I can like, and no put who, the costume on. Who will care? No one will care. Yeah. And that's a hard truth. Yeah. But um that's just how it is. Yeah. So, you know, you have to be flexible and and I always think it's good to just like do do lots of things if you enjoy lots of things like do them. Yeah. Um make time to um you know to learn to learn new things and, and try new things. Yeah. That's great. I think that's a good place. We've gone over time as well. So that's a really good place to end. I wanted to go to you, um, that's time, and just cut. <laughs> <laughs> But that's cool. Thanks so much for coming in. No worries, thanks for having me. Yeah, cheers, man. <laughs>